Welcome back to Inside Games, the only gaming news channel brave enough to tell you that the long, cold winter of games as a service may finally be coming to an end. That's right, we put it in the ground. We gamers have long suffered under the yoke of games as a service, enduring incomplete launches, overpriced content, and game design skewed towards making us buy hats and costumes rather than actual fun video game content. Man, we are so oppressed. Uh, it's the gaming equivalent of eating potatoes shoeless for an entire year. How did we survive? Because we outlasted, Bruce. <laughs> gamers are hard. Gamers, gamers can survive, as we've proven. <laughs> Recent high-profile releases like Battlefield 2042 and Halo Infinite show that the market, aka gamers, might finally be saturated with games of service titles, and that could imply that developers are finally moving on from the format. Yeah, is that is that the case? Is games of service finally dead? If it is, will whatever comes next be even worse? It's a complicated topic, and it was either this or talk about Sora's weirdly normal-sized feet in Kingdom Hearts 4, so here we go. First off, we have to make a few disclaimers here. We had to take some liberties in both what we classify as a game to service game and also what we consider to be a success or failure within that classification. You may disagree with how we classify some of these games, uh, but hopefully our conclusions stand despite one or two exceptions in our clown map. It is the internet also, and arguing about other people's opinions on video games, that's what we do here, and we've been doing it for a very long time. So to get that party started, we turn to our resident games as a service expert and recent graduate from Clown Math College, Charlotte. Thank you, Bruce. I didn't see you in the crowd at the graduation ceremony. You sent me a, a, a Discord link for the graduation ceremony, but it ended up being a Rick one. I did. CMC has deep <laughs> academic traditions, yeah. Uh, we'll get together over a glass of soda water. Uh, anyway, to examine the current landscape of games as a service, we looked at the last 10 or so years of prominent service games and categorized them into to successes or failures based on longevity, active players, revenue, and a healthy dose of gamer gut that has yet to steer us wrong. <laughs> gamer gut. Got a mean case of gamer gut. Like, I got gamer <laughs> gut. I gotta eat some gamer yogurt. The result of these findings should not surprise you if you've been following recent high-profile releases. By our counts, the last two years have had far more failed service game launches than successes. In terms of service game successes since 2019, we only identified Call of Duty Warzone, Valorant, Apex Legends and Genshin Impact as the games that really stuck the landing. In contrast, we count 11 games in that time that have botched a service-based rollout. Anthem, oh Anthem, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, Red Dead Online, The Division 2, Marvel's Avengers, Hyperscape, Battlefield 2042, Halo Infinite, Gran Turismo 7, Babylon's Fall, and... Chocobo GP. No! Mm. Ah! <laughs> yeah, that last one stings the hardest, doesn't it? So again, again, before you get mad, we want to reiterate there are a variety of factors we use to identify that a game has failed. For example, Division 2, Ubisoft themselves expressed disappointment with the game's sales and said it didn't hit their sales and revenue targets. Lawrence, I would, I think that's a really good way to classify a success or a failure. If the company thinks good. it's a failure. Yeah, they say it. Yeah. That's kind of it. Good game, though. Good game. It I, was I good. I had a lot. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So, I mean, we are looking at it from a very corpo standpoint. Again, any one of these failures, hey, it could be perfectly fun. We just talked about how fun it was, but we're just looking at them as successes or failures from a market perspective, and the market is very, very tough on what's considered a success. And the expectations are getting worse by the year. Either way, the clown math is clear. Uh, recent years have had loads of service games that completely missed the mark rather than find a sustainable audience and the revenues to match. Why is that exactly? I'm sure a lot of people in the comments will tell us why. Uh, are games just shittier? I know a lot of people have said that. Uh, will game developers and publishers finally give up on trying to flip a quick buck with the games and service model? 
I don't think so, but they may. Yeah, the first possible explanation, and certainly the one that I feel the most personally, is that the market is saturated with service games. Everyone already has their fill with one or two games that will never end, meaning there's very little interest in picking up even more. Ubisoft CFO Frederick Duguay described, quote, fierce competition in the service games market in 2019 when revealing that, like we said before, the Division 2 fell short of sales expectations. It certainly doesn't seem like any players are starved for new service games either. Uh, most of the service games currently flourishing on the market are Fortnite Battle Royale, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy 14, Rocket League, just to name a few. They all launched years ago, carved out a market space through multiple updates and lots of years of content. So what we have is a situation where service games that launch now were compared with games that have been building content over the course of years and not surprisingly found lacking. As a result, these new games don't put up much of a temptation to lure players away from the games they've already been playing. And on top of that, there's a new get-rich-quick kid in town that could be luring greedy corporations away from the service model when it comes to that fat bottom line, those fat stacks like we love. And we're talking about NFTs, baby, blockchain gaming. When it comes to clown math and fat bottoms, we turn to our resident expert in both of those fields, Charlotte. Uncalled for and very accurate. <laughs> One, I wanna say if anyone ever tries to explain to me what blockchain is, one, I don't want to know, and two, I'm going to lose it. Uh, it is true that blockchain games are attracting investment, but that tends to come from private investment firms. Despite several publishers stating their desire to explore blockchain technology in games, it has yet to truly land as a competitor to games as service, since blockchain games aren't really games. At least not yet, anyway. Ubisoft's run of NFTs through Ghost Recon Breakpoint is arguably the highest profile integration of blockchain tech into more traditional games we've seen, and it uh, didn't go well. Nobody bought them. Yeah, high five. I'm going to self high five on that one. <laughs> oh no, the consumers did the right thing. Uh, and Ubisoft recently announced they were ceasing development of Ghost Recon Breakpoint entirely. Uh, sorry, John Bernthal. Meaning what few NFTs that were actually sold are now attached to assets in a fully dead game. Does anyone want to buy my Ghost Recon Breakpoint helmet? I don't think I can. I think it's yours in the blocked chain. Uh, it's not the best starting narrative for technology that's supposed to revolutionize gaming, at least according to annoying crypto bros. Yeah, current most blockchain games are more about generating tradable assets than playing a game and having fun. <laughs> Which, that is fun for certain people, not all the gamers, uh, but not the kind of fun that currently tracks as a threat to service-based games. Speaking with Inverse, Canton Games CEO Dr. Sirkin Toto said that established publishers are more conservative than we think, and that, quote, when you have a golden goose in your portfolio, it will take some time for game companies to adopt this concept of monetization and introducing users to the idea of digital ownership. Rather than uh, blockchain gaming rushing in as the new quick cash-in that'll kill service gaming, uh, it seems the true culprit here is competition with other service-based games. Uh, we all knew that. Specifically, multiple developers all compete with each other to grab players' attention has kind of created unsustainable expectations in terms of content and update volume. Yeah, this is this is something players have noticed, but companies have said in a variety of ways. Nearly every developer involved with games of service has expressed some frustration at the workload required to satisfy players that have enjoyed years of content complete releases and thick with multiple C's, thick updates. Charlie, I'm gonna need you to take us through the uh, Hall of Fame of failures here. Oh, happily, some really stand out, uh, some really standout <laughs> titles here. Most yeah. recently, EA Global Director of Integrated Comms, Andy McNamara, got memed on uh, pretty hard for describing player expectations as, quote, brutal. It's brutal out here during the 2021 <laughs> holiday break after Battlefield 2040 
1942's poor launch. The game itself hasn't experienced a rush of updates either, only recently getting an actual honest-to-god scoreboard in early March. Brutal to expect that of an online shooter. <laughs> Speaking with the Washington Post, 343 Community Director Brian Gerard said that Halo Infinite is, quote, not quite there yet when compared with games in this live service space that have set an incredibly high bar that are very mature. So a little more down to earth and, you know, candid answer from 343 rather than EA. Uh, Infinite's content flow is super topical today as Microsoft just announced that they've recruited certain affinity to help develop content for the game. And the biggest service game of them all, Fortnite, incurred months and months of intense crunch to keep those ADHD-addled Gen Zers engaged. You gotta jingle those keys to keep the babies entranced. And to Fortnite's credit, I mean, they do have a they did have a ridiculous pace of updates that continued. They did, yeah, and they, they still do it. They started development years before release, like on in terms of like assets, like it didn't all drop at once, right? Like, I think like back in 2015, or maybe even earlier, they were making the future updates and content. Damn, really? I, yeah, I think they were way, they were way ahead, and they also, I mean, they saw PUBG and they ripped it off and were developing it long before they released it, so. <laughs> Out of all the games that are currently successful, there's really only one that has specifically not crunched to try to meet expectations, and that's Respawn's Apex Legends, which is is great. Uh, we want to celebrate that because any developer that can keep a community around and keep them satisfied with updates without crunching their devs, hey, that, that deserves a little round of applause. Interestingly though, nearly, I think it was about two months after Apex Legends launch, there was a rash of headlines saying that Apex Legends is a dead yep. game because yep. it didn't have those those immediate updates. It didn't have the player count swell. Actually, there was so there was a rush of sponsored viewers on Twitch. Once those moved on to like GTA Roleplay was big at the time, and those numbers dropped, everyone was like, "Dead game, walk away." So they actually had the yeah, they were actually able to stick it out. Good for them. But hey, the the audience wasn't there and certainly wasn't very patient with their pace of releases. So in context with the Apex Legends story, because I absolutely remember the audience shitting on Apex a few months after release being like, there's no content. And then also that same audience is applying pressure to these developers to make sure that there is no crunch. Uh, and so it's a very interesting push and push and pull where we, we see, you know, gamers with a capital G all getting together being like, where's our content? But also, no, no, hold on. Now it's just work nine to five. We don't want you to kill yourselves. So there's a, we, we kind of got to figure out the middle ground there. Developers most certainly uh, have seen the increased pressure to avoid crunch, which again is great. We're really happy about that. But also we can't yell at them when they don't deliver content as fast as we want. <laughs> so let's all be nice to them. Yeah, I, I tend to think it's not the same people because there's a lot of people out there you know, there have been a few viral tweets that say that they want uh, worse looking games with less content and that they, in exchange, they pre like they want developers to go home. And I'd like to think that those people are not the ones yelling at uh, game so. developers. They better not be. One way or the other, though, the, the value proposition comparison is kind of the problem with uh, certain developers crunching to get game content out and establishing an expectation and then other developers choosing not to or being unable to. Uh, it, it almost reminds me of, of just Game Pass, how Game Pass is turning the Xbox ecosystem into a service ecosystem. And nobody else can compete with that, really. They've established this value expectation for games, and even this, this here-to unforeseen expectation that you get AAA games on day one with a, a subscription pass. Sony's facing soft pressure to answer for that. And that's only because Microsoft is moving out there and doing it first, and Microsoft can only do it because they have the deep pockets. So in the same way, there are developers out there that have the ability or used to have the ability to crunch, to get out content at a certain pace. It's establishing an expectation. And, that, and now new games are falling well under that. 
Also, maybe because of COVID, because of work from home conditions, because of scrutiny on crunch. There's a lot of factors that basically have changed the way that the, the way and the pace at which games are made. And I think that's leading to a lot of current games of service games tanking before they have a chance to take off. So this situation, we can't help to draw parallels to content creation as content creators ourselves, because there's a sort of similar situation going on in this space, that space, whichever space as well. Because as time goes by, there are more streamers, more YouTubers. TikTok is in there now, and it's just mm -hmm. harder to ask people for their time. I mean, you can't begrudge people. It, it, there is such a vast vast wealth of things to watch and consume and listen to and engage with out there on the internet and more every day. And then all these content creators that are fighting for your time are also competing with each other in terms of burn rate. If you can't stream as much or publish as often, you slip. And so we see a lot of people throwing themselves at the same wall and only so many can make it through at a time. I mean, yeah. it seems sometimes like there's endless communities uh, or people to fill those communities, but... Uh, at the end of the day, it's still a niche interest. Absolutely. Uh, has everybody burned each other out? No way. Uh, there's still a lot of money in service games, and that's something that we saw We saw actually just recently. Uh, EA still raking in the cash from service titles. Uh, Two-thirds of its $1.8 in revenue coming from live service and other operations, which is crazy. Uh, only a third came from the initial sales of full games. So, I mean, if you EA, you're doubling down on that. Two-thirds of your revenue is live service. You've got to keep doing live service. It's just the way it goes if you're a business. Yeah, Square Enix ate it pretty hard with Marvel's Avengers. That game bombed real bad, and it was meant to be their pinnacle service game. But despite that, in their financial report for 2021, they still said they're dedicated to the service model, saying that, quote, while the new challenge that we tackled with this title produced a disappointing outcome, we are certain that the games of service approach will grow in importance as gaming becomes more service oriented. So even even Captain America's eyeball flying out of his skull wasn't enough to shoo Square away from those sweet service returns. Mm. You want to look at the high profile failures like Anthem and say, oh, they must have lost so much money on that that they're scared away from it. But the truth is, yeah, they make so much money on FIFA Ultimate Team that they can take one or two shots like that and be totally okay. It's worth establishing the one or two games of service that does bring in unlimited money to take a few shots and fail. Uh, and I think that's still where a lot of these companies are at. Even companies that make a lot of money selling boxed games like Sony want to get into games of service, which sucks uh, for me at least because I like packaged single player games. It, it, it was a top-of-line intent with their acquisitions of both Bungie and more recently Haven that they wanted to get in games of service, but part of that was acknowledging that they didn't really have the skill set or the experience to do that. But Bungie has been operating Destiny 2 for a long time now and doing it very successfully. So that was one of the top-line things they said. So we want that games of service experience because we want to start getting that games of service. We want that paper money. PlayStation Plus is kind of how they've been doing it for a long time, and they've been very successful at that. That brings in tons of cash. But good God, if Sony had one or two GTA Onlines under their belt, that would be very dangerous and very profitable. But of course, it's getting more crowded like we talked about earlier, like Charlotte was talking about. It's harder to carve out a profitable space, uh, whether or not you're a content creator or you're making games as a service or whatever. At the very least, companies are learning. The standards are higher than ever. Uh, I think that's something that gamers have been wanting for a very long time is to teach these game companies that yes, our standards are higher now as gamers, so games will need a lot more time in the oven to launch and capture an audience. If you launch shitty and patch your way into profitability, it's just not gonna just not gonna work anymore from what we've seen, uh, especially if you do not have a dev studio willing to crunch to get there. 
So Charlotte, you got anything else to talk about games as a service? Do you do you like them? Do you not like them? Do you want them to go away? I mean, uh, I don't I don't think that they're bad as a whole. Like I like the continued content rollout. I guess somebody who is currently frustrated with Halo Infinite and the way that they've handled because the 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 multiplayer, which is so good, has just died on the vine, mm-hmm. and. I want them to stick it out because I look at Apex and like it's it may seem like an Im- impenetrable market where people have like planted their flags in certain service games and said, "In this, I shall stay in forever. I am a war zoner." It's like it's not really how it works. Like, I mean, there may be that there are those types of people that are like, "I found my game, I'm good." But I think a lot of people, and this is anecdotal, maybe just for speculation, want to try new experiences, and so I think that like. If the launch can be stuck, like you look at Apex Legends, like I, I don't, I think it's just a type of game. I don't want to see a future where all of them are games as a service, but I also don't necessarily want to see it not exist. Lawrence, what about you? Are you tired of Halo Infinite? You want it to die right now? I don't need it to, but I'm probably not going to play it. This may be too deep, uh, too too big of an idea to bite off uh, at the end of the episode, but games as service games kind of tee you up to think about your time as an investment, Charlotte. Kind of t- to what you were saying, mm-hmm. and. When a game is asking you, or or even rolls out the welcome ad, is like this is the only game you'll ever need. Just grind this, get the numbers, see that see that top tier end game content. Um, it's tempting to think that, or it's, it's tempting to think that you want to do that, you know. Uh, and it, I think as a corollary, you think that playing a service game once or twice just to see what's going on isn't necessarily going to be worth it because your time could be better spent investing in a service game that you are more invested in already. Uh, I I play I try to keep current with a couple of service games Final Fantasy 14 and Destiny 2 and I'm not even that good at doing that So I can't even imagine putting another one on top of it like a fighting game or something like that I just wouldn't have the time to cultivate the skill to enjoy it at the level that I want to So while there might be a ton of service games and certainly I like the idea of experimentation within that format and certainly I would I would hope that if there's an audience for something that a game could be made to cater to that audience and give them the experience that they want. It's, unless there's more people out there, which kind of implies a different kind of game, like a Pokemon Go. Unless there's a new kind of uh, kind of service game that can find those audiences and, and, enra- and like enrapture them, then I don't necessarily see the point in game developers spinning their wheels, making another another grindy shooter, another open world, like another Assassin's Creed game um, that's mm. going to get patched with events and quests that are all pretty samey. I don't necessarily think that that's servicing the vibrancy of gaming or necessarily encouraging uh, unique and innovative products. So that's kind of what I've seen lately is a bunch of a bunch of games that are similar. They're not different enough and they certainly don't offer enough content to really break out. I think kind of Halo Infinite is one of them. It's good, it's very good, but it's not good enough. And it doesn't have enough stuff to convince people that this is the thing you should invest all your time into. I think that's where a lot of the frustration at the lack of armor and the lack of colors, the lack of customization comes from, is because when you're playing a lot of Halo Infinite, you wanna feel like that time is accruing somewhere. Now we're all gonna die someday, so that's, that's a that's an illusion anyway, but it still feels nice. Well, well put, uh, Lawrence. And you know what? I want to say thank you to the people that are actually making our YouTube channel as a service, <laughs> our Patreon supporters: <laughs> uh, Anders Warming, Dreskel, Guthrie Leith, and James Bowser. Thank you very much. Yeah, Tony Varela, Kyle Heaton, Wookie Titty, Crab Foam, and Aaron Frace. Thank you very much for buying our loot boxes. <laughs>